Welcome everyone to another episode of Podium Stories. Today we have a very special guest in the building. His name is Andy Raskin. He helps CEOs align their teams around a strategic narrative to power success in sales, marketing, fundraising, product and recruiting. Uh, he has a, a wide range of clients, including venture back companies funded by Anderson Horowitz, First Round Capital, GV, another top investors. And he's also led strategic narrative training at Salesforce, Uber, Square, Yelp, uh, and plenty of other very successful companies. Andy, thank you so much for taking the time to join me today. Oh, great. Thanks for having me on, Marty. Absolutely. So I want to, uh, I w we were talking off camera, but the, the idea behind today's episode is to talk a lot about stories and strategic narrative, right? What, what makes a company and a personal brand have a good story that resonates with the public and that actually produces uh, measurable results? Um, so um, to give our listeners a bit of context, when we talk about strategic narrative, what are we talking about? Yeah, great question. And uh, this is something that I've come to kind of over the years, you know, um, it sounds like what we're talking about is the company story, uh, you know, or like, and, and of course we are, but the way I like to define strategic narrative is in from the, the frame of the buyer. So how do make people make decisions? Uh, there's a lot of debate about this, even in, you know, like sort of among uh, people who study this stuff. But I, I really find the, the, the side that says we do it ba basically based on a story in our heads. <laughs> so there's a story in our heads about kind of we, we, we've observed the world and, and taken out of it certain patterns and from those patterns, we come up with, okay, well, this is what you have to do to thrive. This is where you have to go. And, and this is what creates urgency in our life. And I, I call that story in the buyer's head or any human's head, but buyer also, th their strategic narrative. So the, the narrative, the story that guides the actions of, of a person that's in their head. Right. <clears throat> and something that I was very interested in is your process about finding that story and identifying that narrative. So when you're working with a company or with the CEO or their leadership team, what type of questions and exercises do you um, make them run through or how do you find their story that will resonate with their market? How, what's your process to, to find that? Yeah, uh, so uh, it's always evolving and uh, you know, I've been doing this now for about six, seven years and um, I'm always, always sort of changing it a little bit, but uh, you know, I, I, I wrote, I've written a bunch of posts about the basic framework and the pieces of this story. Uh, one is called the greatest sales deck I've ever seen. So using uh, Zwara, uh, so Silicon Valley B2B company uh, as a, their sales narrative as an example. Uh, I've written some others that, that go into other companies and how they do it. And, uh, and the, the core of the framework is what I call uh, the change in the world. And the change in the world, uh, I've come to express through what I call old game and new game. Yep. So uh, what is the old game and what is the new game? This shift, uh, if we look at the companies that really break out, it's usually that they're, they're starting with some articulation of this. 
Uh, you could think of this as a why now, although they don't even really label it that way. It just kind of functions this way. Um, and if you think about it, this really is the way a, a person, you know, goes, navigates the world. Like we, we look at things, we, we notice when, oh, wow, things are changing. Maybe I have to adapt my way. And, and, and so they're, they're trying to kind of make sense of the buyer's world in this very compact way uh, through the shift. And so your question is really about how do we get to that shift and how do we identify it? Um, I used to see myself as a kind of like uh, creative agency where I'm gonna, I don't know, like interview the team, you know, hey, what's going on? I might talk to customers and then I'll go back to my cave and I'll write it up. Right. I'll basically, I'll write up what I think it should be. I'll bring it back to them. Hey, what do you think of this? And they would say, oh, uh, we don't like this. We kind of like that. Um, I go back to my cave. I re redo it, kind of come back, you know, going back and forth like this for a long time. And it was okay uh, when I worked that way, but something happened. So it was a few years into that. Uh, actually, it was right around the time I published that post about Zawara. Yep. Uh, got very popular. And I started getting a lot of demand for working with CEOs and their teams. And this way of working was, it was okay. It was slow, but that was okay. But, but it happened to be very slow. And so this one CEO said to me, listen, Andy, I've read all your posts. Uh, I don't want to wait four months to start a project with you. We don't, we don't have that much time. How about this? How about we do this? You know, we, we do the same process you usually do, except instead of you going back to your cave, I'll go back to my cave and I'll build it. And I just can call you whenever I want. Mm. And I was like, well, that's not going to work because I'm kind of the genius who does the story thing. So but this guy was very persuasive and um, I decided to try it. And you can probably imagine what happened. Like the result was way better than anything that I had done to that time. Not only was it just, it was, it was uh, you know, less of me. It was actually not, I wouldn't say less work for me because it was a lot of work being with him uh, like in this very kind of, I would say almost intimate way, like of, of going through this stuff in many, many hours. Uh, but his team owned it in a way that I hadn't seen before. And that convinced me eventually, like that should be my model. And so the, I, I won't go into all the details of, of how I work with teams, but basically it's a, it's a, a balance of, having that CEO be the author of it okay, um, and having their leadership team being able to weigh in and impact its direction. So they have a, they're bought in too. And it's kind of balancing those two things. Makes sense. Uh, you talk about the old game and the new game. <clears throat> and I remember reading a story of yours about the, the day before running a marathon, I believe and having a speaker talk about carbo loading um, and you talk about attacking the old game, naming the new game. So I have a couple of questions on that. The first one 
is is an enemy necessary to always create a good story or or can we have a story that just has the positive side of the naming the new game or going forward without having somebody that some somebody or something that we attack yeah um i believe that the most effective is where there's something we're attacking right and that's not to say that the you know enemy is a is a metaphor right here. right for sure so we don't literally doesn't literally have to be a person or a thing um in fact it's i would say better if it's not what what it really is is an old mindset so if you look at that zwara story i mentioned you know zwara sells us this subscription billing platform and the new game they say is, is subscription in in all its in all its uh, different variations, whereas the old game was you know transactions like you're going to sell stuff to people, right. and people are going to buy them outright, and they're basically saying, hey, that was a great game for a long time, eons, <laughs> and now uh, we're we're shifting to where uh, if you're playing that game, if that's your mindset then you're losing. So the enemy, quote unquote, is this old mindset within the buyer. Like we said, we're trying to replace the strategic narrative inside the buyer's head. So the enemy is that old strategic narrative and what we're championing is a new strategic narrative, new game. Yeah, I, I like how you called it, I believe it was like the buyer operating narrative. I, I thought that that made a lot of sense. It was interesting because when I was doing the research and the, uh, I learned a lot. Like it made me think uh, so much about my own business and like, what are we doing? Cause it's, we don't have the clear story. We have a personal story which we do a lot of personal branding and we generate all our business from my own personal brand. So that's good. And I have my own story, but I was thinking, right? Like what's the old game? What's the new game for us? So that was something that was very yeah. important while I was yeah. like preparing for this interview. Yeah. Uh, and and I, I'm, I'm guessing, you know, it probably has something to do with CEOs having to have personal brands or, or even maybe all executives having to create an, you know, personal brand is a, is a phrase that uh, inspires uh, love and hate. So it's up to you whether you use yeah, it. Yeah, I don't, I don't like it too much. I, I just say it because it's usually what's most. Yeah, but we know what we're talking about. I mean, I think the bigger thing is that, uh, you know, there's this shift to where, every company is really a media company. And that really means that every executive in particular the CEO is, is an act, know, actor, but is, is, a, is a, a, a celebrity or, or a personality that, that needs to create an audience. Uh, you know, great example of this, not a CEO, but um, Dave Gerhardt of Drift uh, yeah. and now Privy. Yeah. Uh, he is, very active, you know, so active in, in creating his own audience through his like paid newsletters and channels, Patreon, all this stuff that I think a lot of CEOs or companies would, would shut that down. Right. <laughs> you know, like the, the traditional model is like, you, you can't do that. You know, that's, that's like, you're using, you're on our time. And what, people like him and you know he's he's now turning his his ceo into into to, to, into a into a personality with an audience through another podcast and all the rest mm -hmm. and you know what that's all about this shift of like hey that's no longer like 
cheating on personal time. That's like, this is the way we're going to build an audience so we can actually talk to them about what we want to when it's time to do that too. Absolutely. So something that really also caught my eye was and gave me great food for thought was when you talk about category naming, right? Like, so Drift did conversational marketing, right? So myself, I was also thinking we should do that. Like, right? why are we not like trying to own a, a category that differentiates that and gives us a, a better narrative compared to other content creation agencies? So I, I thought that was very interesting how you talk about, um, you know, old game, new game, and, and turning that into category name, right? Like the new game is, is, is a new brand and stuff. Um, and like I was saying off camera, I think there's some way that we both like are in the same field more or less. So I want to ask you about content creation and strategic narrative. So where's, is that content creation is the next step after you define the strategic narrative or how do these two entities play, play within each other? Yeah, this is a great question. I mean, you know, one of the points I made, I've, I've tried to make it a lot. I, I think I made it in that, uh, that post about Zora and other places, you know, just defining the strategic narrative, making a sales deck about it. You know, that's how I like, that's, I think, very powerful to define it, but that's not going to, uh, that's not going to create that, that, that replace the strategic narrative in the buyer's mind, uh, replace that old one with your new one just by itself. Right. So you have to be out there and uh, telling that one story over and over and over. So there's, I hear a lot of like, oh, the seven stories a brand has to tell or the 10 stories a CEO has to tell. And that's fine. Like there's, there's, probably, there's probably good reasons for telling those stories. Um, the way I like to look at it is that all of the content, if we're you know, really going to like to get the most out of it, has to basically be telling one story. Uh, you know, if you look at Zwara, because I'll say that just because we've used their example now a couple of times, uh, pretty much everything they're talking about is a kind of, so that's why the CEO of, of Zwara said this to me the other, he's going to be on my podcast, uh, I'll be coming out tomorrow. He, he's like, we have the high level story and then we have these sub flavors of the story. And so, uh, the shift is the story, the, the shift from transactions to, uh, to, to subscription. But then, well, okay, how does that play out for CIOs, for example? How does that, play, you know, for the different roles? How does that play out in different industries? I mean, just answering those questions is probably like years of content right, <laughs> right there. And, you know, that it's, it, but it's, it's all about that. Uh, and when you make that story the thing that drives all the content, one nice thing that happens is, you know, you can be championing things that happen in the world that, that aren't your customer, that are done by people who are not your customers. So, for instance, when Zora first started talking about the subscription economy, they're talking about companies like uh, Airbnb and, you know, hey, look at, look at what Airbnb is doing, look at what Netflix is doing. I don't believe these companies were, not all of them anyway, were, were clients of theirs, but they were champions uh, of this club of the new game. And that's really what we're looking to do. And so, you know, word category is, is like a loaded word because what does it mean? I mean, to create a category, does it mean that Gartner makes a quadrant about you? Or like, how do you know you've created a category? 
who cares? I mean, the, the big thing is the narrative and uh, getting, you know, even, even those examples like conversational marketing or, you know, what Benioff did with, with cloud CRM, it, it was, it's a good argument to say these like are not really categories quite they're, they're but they're, they're kind of movements that people right. say they want to join. And so content is this, like, is the art, is, is the, the propaganda <laughs> arm of the, of the new story uh, and, and hugely important. Right. Um, I, I was thinking before the episode, if somebody, when you're talking to a potential new client, has it told you, okay, but how do we measure the ROI of, a, of the strategic narrative of this new story? Like, what are some of the differences that we're going to see? Uh, and I understand that there might not be an immediate ROI, that, like a Facebook ad that you can put $1 and get three back. But how, what do you answer when this, uh, somebody yeah. tells you, okay, but what, what's the results that we should be yeah. seeing from a new strategic narrative? Well, first of all, when I, when I engage with teams, I, I would say I almost never hear this question. Mm, that's because you work with good clients. Well, I don't I work with people who they, they've just come to this place where they start to really, usually it's around the, there's a, there's a, a transition from, hey, we've achieved a lot of success to where we're going to be transitioning to blowing it out and growing. Right. One CEO said to me, uh, we've achieved a lot of success, but it's been like brute force of the founders, meaning the founders were like in every sales call and all that. And hey, if it was going to continue like that, like, yeah, I don't need you, Andy. We, we can, we got this. But yeah. now we're going to be hiring, you know, hundreds of salespeople and investing a lot in marketing and content. And there's this realization that, hey, I got to, I got to make it clear to everybody uh, what's this kind of North Star that we should all be aligning to. And, uh, and, and so I, I don't hear that from them. What I can say is, you know, of course, over the years, I've had teams, some teams have been very detailed about measuring or, or um, very uh, uh, good about measuring differences after we started to roll this out. One of the reasons, you know, so the main instrument that I build with teams is the sales deck. So the sales deck is really the core of the, of the, of the narrative. It's the, in, the instrument by which we're defining the narrative. Mm -hmm. um, and one reason I do that is sort of related to your question, which is, you know, where's the most important place for this narrative to have to work? It's got to be in a sales call. And so, you know, usually the, the, the way, usually it's the opposite. It's like, oh, let's have marketing or content, whatever, build some story. And then, you know, maybe try to get sales to tell that. And this is the opposite. Uh, sales is going to help build the story and test it. And then we'll have everyone, including product, like, okay, let's, let's adopt that as the story we're going to be telling and building product for and all the rest. Um, so, but one of the teams, uh, so I'll give you, usually one of the things when people do measure it, sales cycle duration is, is one of the things I hear most commonly. Mm -hmm. So uh, that, Team, people are just able to get it and that and that the strategic narrative is building urgency you know, what is the biggest reason people are not buying or or dragging their feet it's not a competitor it's the the status quo is old game is too too like 
attached in their brain. It's like, it can't be pried loose. Right. And so this strategic narrative is all about that. And so that's the biggest one. I then have heard other figures. Um, uh, Andy Wilson is the CEO of a company called Logical. Uh, he did a lot of this tracking. And one of the things he told me was that he tracked the time it would take for a new rep to close a new deal. So, you know, get up to speed enough to where they close the deal, right? And that had been like 60 days, 90 days, and then they, they uh, slashed that in half to 30 days uh, and, and, and lower even, I think it got as well. So, uh, though, you know, those kind of sales, how quick is it? How quick are they getting it? Those are some of the early ones. And then I think, as you're saying, it just starts to permeate everything and it becomes very difficult to measure it directly. Because there's so many moving parts, right? Like, uh, and I'm guessing to define it, you're probably talking with like uh, customers, sales, marketing, product. Like, there's so many moving pieces that it's hard to. Because content has it is similar. Maybe not. It's not that abstract because you're actually creating like articles and LinkedIn and Twitter and all that, and you can see like impressions. But there's still a component of of brand narrative, right? Like you're you're building brand equity that's hard to measure. Um, of course, yeah. Uh, yeah. I did have a personal question to ask you. You tweeted the other day about um, you're about to meet a CEO, I believe, and you said, even after all this time, I still get nervous. Can I really help these smart people get to the right story? I related a lot to that because when I started working with CEOs, I was 21, right, right out of college, talking like I was in Barcelona at that time. Um, I was basically broke, just was good at creating content. And I was talking to these multi-million dollar individuals that and I, I was scared for two years. I was very scared. Um, so tell me a bit more about how you're still, how you're fighting or how you deal with that sensation of like, I, I need to help these very smart individuals because you've been doing it for so long. Uh, so I was wondering what's your mindset when you're approaching those calls, when you're trying, when you're in, approaching that engagement. The, you know, it really boils down to faith <laughs> uh, and just, you know, hope uh, or, you know, trusting, trusting in the process and experience. Uh, and, and sure enough, that's exactly what happened. Th this engagement, by the way, you know, fingers crossed, not, not computer, uh, is, has turned out to be one of the best uh, ever. And uh, the CEO uh, you know, I think the reason I'm, it's scary is because you're, I'm like, well, I know kind of basically about their business. These seem like really smart people. How, you know, how am I going to come up with it in a way that th they couldn't? Also, it's sort of, a, it's sort of, one thing that happens often is I go into the engagements with a kind of uh, guess as to what the story is going to be. Got it. Like, it seems kind of obvious. And I'm virtually always wrong. <laughs> uh, and so I was like, how, how am I going to be wrong about this one? How come they don't just see it, you know? And of course, like just right from the very beginning, I kind of, I kind of put it out there a little bit like, what about this? And it, it became clear right away, like why that was wrong. And, uh, and through the conversations, and I, I really do think this was a combination of the CEO's experience and wisdom and openness, uh, and, and, her, her trust in this process uh, and my experience of, of bringing some, some, uh, some options to the table through, through some of my experience that led us to a totally unexpected place that I didn't expect to go to and that 
uh, so far has really resonated. We're the way I work is we, we build it and then we start testing it in sales yeah. in sales yeah. calls. And uh, we're about to start that. So like I said, fingers crossed, but there's a lot of, um, uh, a lot of just trusting that it's going to happen, you know, almost like you ever do improv. Uh, like, yeah. 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 I, I love doing comedy. Oh, you do? Oh, cool. Yeah. Same thing. You know, it's like just trusting in the partner and trusting whatever. And then, um, you know, changing stuff on the fly. If, I, if I, yeah. I have one last question, super short, because I want to, I want to be respectful of your time. Like I said, uh, be, well, before we start an engagement with a client, we do a kickoff call where we try to understand what they're about, what the content should focus around these areas. Can you give me like one or it's, it's like a very mini, mini version of what you do, I guess, because we only have 30 minutes, but can, can you give me like one or two questions that you would ask to really understand a business or that I, I should be asking on that kickoff call? Yeah. I mean, um, you know, like I said, my approach is not so much me as an information gatherer, but me as trying to get them to uh, start thinking about it and, and the, getting the CEO to start crafting this uh, him or herself. And um, well, one of the questions is just that question we've been talking about, you know, what is this big, what is the big shift in the world? Um, I wrote a post, a uh, public post about the questions that I have CEOs and their teams ask customers that mm. feed into this work. And uh, with customers, it's hard, like, uh, we can't ju can't just ask them directly, but one of the ways that we get to this is I say, "Hey, um, how have we changed your life, or how did this company change your life?" And you know, sometimes they'll laugh, like whatever, but sometimes they'll cry and let, oh, let me tell you, you know, of course those are the ones we want to know about. Uh, well, we want to know about both, but these are the right. ones that give us good good fertile infer fertile territory for the story stuff. And so then, next question I have the team ask them is well, how has the world changed in just the last few years so that whatever you're talking about is so much more valuable than it would have been before, you know? And that, and sometimes I'll, the way I'll do it is I'll ask the team this. I'll say, you know, hey, um, if, I, if I were to ask a customer uh, how, how you change their life, what might they say? Right. And, then, and then I'll ask them, well, what would they say if I asked them, you know, how that, why that's more valuable now? And that starts to get some, usually some good stuff out uh, that is talking about the change. You know, the way most people are trained and sort of brought up to think about this is my customer has a problem. I have a solution. Let me tell you why the solution is better. And that's not the way that strategic narratives get put in someone's head. That gets put in someone's head by someone observing something in the world has changed. Mm. Uh, there's this great quote by the, a uh, great screenwriter, Robert McKee, screenwriting guru, Mark, Robert McKee, uh, who says, um, I'm going to paraphrase, but, you know, our, our brains are, are wired to notice change. So if, if, you know, there's many things going on around us, but they're sort of stable and then the temperature changes, that's what we notice. Uh, you know, we're, 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 we're sort of animals that are, that are, are looking on the lookout for this. And so if we can, structure the story has changed. That's usually a, a good place to start. 
Andy, thank you so much for taking the time to do this. I think we could talk for a couple hours, but I appreciate you being here. We're going to link to your Twitter and LinkedIn, to your website as well. Uh, I, I do think you provide an invaluable service and um, I'm happy we had the chance to talk. Great, yeah, it was great meeting you, Marty, and, and to learn about, uh, that it seems like we're kind of really interested in a lot of similar stuff. Absolutely, thank you, Andy. Uh, I appreciate you, I appreciate your time. Yeah, thanks for having me on.